Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, friends. This is Josie from Speaking in Church, the podcast you are currently listening to. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about my favorite current thing right now, which is Anchor. Anchor is a free podcasting platform. Um, It's the easiest way to make a podcast. This dummy, yours truly, set it up real quick. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which, hello, talk about easy. You don't have to be some professional computer person, which is dope. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and literally wherever else you want to put it. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which, you know, some of us are just not going to get a million people listening, which is fine. Um, It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you want to make your own podcast about literally anything like the two of us, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking Church Podcast. It's Josie. And I'm Spencer. And today we are here with the amazing, I'm going to let Spencer introduce her. (laughs) Today we have my dear friend, Kaylee Hagan. Kaylee is a full-time minister in Washington State where she gets to amplify the voices and humanity of teenagers in the world today while telling them that Jesus loves them with an unimaginable love. She is an Enneagram 9 who is feeling more comfortable every day with telling Jesus her opinions and asking bigger questions with the hope that she can look more like him instead of looking like the American Evangelical Church. She is also accidentally an IG influencer and the un paid sponsor of the as seen on tv table mate and uh her new favorite thing the instapot everybody welcome kaylee Mm. it is a pleasure to be here to gain some more instagram followers for my instant pot followership uh, I, today. I'd just like to point out that I donated to the Instapot fund. So Spencer is my number one, my number one fan. She's the reason I am here today. Um, Instapot. That's the one gadget I have not allowed in my home yet, but I have a million it's gadgets. It's in a box right now. I'm scared to open it. I okay. Truth be told, I got one for my wedding, and I haven't used it yet because I'm afraid of pressure cookers because of like people being like, "You could blow up your house," um, which is very, which is not like a legitimate fear because my dad and my brother use theirs every day, oh. and I, cook, I cook far more than my brother, so if he can handle it, I think it's okay. <laughs> That's yeah. probably true. <laughs> yeah, I just it's bulky. And for Christmas, my mother got me a fucking air fryer. Well, they didn't get me an air fryer. I shouldn't say that because I'm not the chef of this household. Got Ryan, who's been on this podcast before, a uh, uh, air fryer. And it's a giant egg on my fucking counter. And I Yeah, mine it. too. And it's magic. <laughs> I mean, good food, but well, oh my Ryan's, God. 
<laughs> true you want it you want it you want something you're going to use everybody was like yeah. get a rice cooker and i was like but this thing says seven and one and i don't know that i'm ever going to make yogurt but it yes yogurt, yogurt. I, yeah so that's why when i okay my cousin actually makes homemade yogurt in hers because she has tiny children that go through yogurt so much that it is cheaper um but yeah exactly when i sent you that venmo i, I literally was like you should just get an ex- instapot like please don't buy a rice cooker <laughs> Yeah, I posted my Venmo on my Instagram because I burnt a pot of rice and I uh, accidentally, like people people donated and I made enough money on Venmo to buy an Instant Pot. And you can look up how much an Instant Pot is. That's how much <laughs> So That's I have a lot crazy. of fans and it's super fun. But Instant well, Pot, okay. Well, Kaylee, why don't you tell us a little about yourself so that way our friends out in podcast land can understand why you have so many fans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, as I told you, I'll, I'll start to understand as well. Um, yeah, I like I said, like Spencer said, um, I'm in Washington State and I'm in full-time ministry um, with youth and it's super fun. And I am actually in my... Uh, in my hometown. So I was, I'm in the Seattle ish area. Nobody who's in Seattle is actually in Seattle. No, you don't say that. Um, but we'll say Seattle from here on out. Um, and I went on down, skipped on down to APU for, um, for a, um, excuse me, a music major actually, um, thought that I was going to be something, I don't know, famous. Um, but probably not. And started in music with a music and worship degree. Um, with zero, zero idea what I was going to do. Um, and ended up, uh, having a great conversation with a pastor or a pastor and a, um, professor down there that I had who told me, um, like you, you need to do youth ministry instead. And I said, no. Um, and then she said, yes. And then I did. So I switched my major. Um, and I, I jumped there because, uh, it, at the time it was, um, it seemed out of the blue for me. It seemed really out of left field because all I had done was music. I was in all the choirs and did the musical and all this stuff and, uh, and was leading worship at church when I was younger and in high school, like that was my thing. And so when I got to college, I was like, well, that's what we do. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going into. Um, but once I switched my major to youth ministry and really switched, not just my major, but my whole path, um, it was looking back on my life that I was like, Oh, this is what I was meant to do my whole life. Um, cause I'd grown up in the church, my whole family. I am, uh, the third of six kids. Um, I have five brothers and all of us, uh, were in church on Sunday. We were in church on Wednesday. We were in church on Saturday mornings. We went on all the mission trips. We did all the summer camps. If it was run by our church, we were, we were there, um, And I wouldn't say that it was a contentious relationship at all. We loved going to church. We loved youth group. Um, We live in an area where my whole faith, my whole dad's side of the family was all in the same spot. So it was me, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my my grandparents on my dad's side. We would all go to church together. And then we would go to Arby's for lunch or to um, Ivers that's seafood. Um, we'd all get lunch together and then go to my grandparents' house. And it was like a whole day and you, we loved it. Um, but looking back on youth ministry, it was, I was the one that, um, was asked to lead Sunday school. Looking back now, it was ridiculous. I was leading Sunday school as like a 12 year old, um, was leading kindergarten Sunday school Mm -hmm. with no, no adult supervision, Mm -hmm. no adult 
No, it was just me and my friend Andrew, and we were leading kindergarten Sunday school. There wasn't no, nothing, like a 16 year old. <laughs> no, well, okay, I take it back. That kindergarten Sunday school class, I believe we were probably juniors in high school when we taught that, but we were doing preschool. By the time I was a freshman or a sophomore, we were doing preschool Sunday school, and there was just one like rover that would come around and just check on us and see how we were doing. Um, but that was normal to me because I had grown up in the church. I was such a trusted face. My last name meant something in the church. My last name was like, Oh, you're, you're Norm's granddaughter. You are, you're Lori's kid. Like those that meant something in our church. Um, just because we'd had such a legacy there. Like my parents met there, they got married there. My aunts and uncles got married there. Like we were at that church for a long time. Um, and so that, that kind of gave me this, that I would say that started my feeling of superiority when I walked into a church. So I kind of started my young youth adulthood with this sense of superiority and ownership. And I wouldn't walk with an air. Like I was pretty chill, um, through high school, but looking back on it was like, Ooh, you really thought that you had, you, you were it, you were the business in high school. Um, because when I walked into the church, I was known, I was seen, not necessarily out of Jesus's love per se, uh, but more so because I was loud and leading things and doing all the stuff and whatnot. So um, yeah, ended up, I was on leadership boards and was a student leader in my high school youth group and was leading, ended up my senior year leading freshmen at summer camp, like just all this stuff looking back where, pretty, um, like risky things, like risky things to ask a 16 year old to do, but I did them and I did them well, I guess, well enough to continue to be able to do those things. <laughs> um, and then ended up going off to APU and, um, really, really looking back going, Oh, this, yeah, I, I was blind to that all along. Like anybody who knew me was like, that makes so much sense. You're totally meant for youth ministry. And, um, I just didn't know it could be a job. Um, which is, which was great. Um, but more so the reason that we're talking today is that I did grow up very, um, very entrenched in the conservative evangelical church, um, and family and all of that. And you would think, and I feel like this is a common theme on this podcast is you would think going to APU would just hold that line. Like everybody would just, we're going to keep being, the conservative Christian that you came into the school as Mm -hmm. almost all of my friends that I know have come out totally different, totally different experiences and exchanges with people. And for me, as somebody coming from the Pacific Northwest, um, ethnically, like the ethnic, the diversity of my school was, was, I mean, 90% white. And then the next biggest ethnicity would have been uh, Korean, huge Korean population I go down to APU and I'm meeting, I'm meeting people you are in Southern California. So it's a big Hispanic population. I'm meeting people who are there on, on immense scholarship that are there because of the, that pro, there's a program where, uh, you know, they go and talk to kids in the, Oh my gosh, what's it called? Pals or something like that where, Oh yeah. Like the champs or whatever. Champs, yeah. Where oh, yeah, you yeah. go and you go to, the, you know, the elementary schools and, and it's, we're going to go into lower income in elementary schools and show kids that they can go to college, which is great. It just brought in a whole new 
whole new worldviews for me where I'd been in this suburb. I'd been in, um, a very small, not small, it was pretty big, but, um, close community church and, um, expanding that worldview, meeting new people and, uh, meeting people that you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to be a Christian to go to that school. And that was foreign to me. I, I went to a public school, but, um, very foreign to have, uh, have to go to chapel with people that were complaining about going to chapel. And I was like, chapel's great for the most part. It wasn't always great, but I didn't understand why people would show up to something that they didn't want to, they didn't want to, why would you choose the school then? You know where you're going, you know, where mm-hmm. school you're going to, um, and kind of continued that air of like, well, I, well, I'm a Christian. Well, I've got it. I'm, I'm good. Um, I'm good to go. I'm, I'm on the in. Um, and then just meeting people with new experiences. All my friends at school happened to be Christians in high school. Like it was very strange how that all worked out. But I think people were afraid to talk to us because we were so like, we had it, we had, we knew we, we weren't going to dabble in those bad things. We weren't even going to talk about it. We weren't even, like, it just wasn't a piece of our, of our life. Um, and then going to APU and taking classes where they're like, let's read the Bible from somebody else's perspective. And let's, let's, uh, let's think about how this classmate is, you know, having people in the class that are 30 years older than you and having people in the class that grew up with no money and people in the class that grew up Mormon or Jewish or, you know, and and having those conversations. And my discovery was once you start reading the Bible through anybody else's eyes, anybody else's, but your own your faith has to expand. It has to. Um, and that was my, that was the Kickstarter for my experience. And now walking into my adult life, um, of learning, learning really how to continue to read the Bible through the eyes of Jesus and through the eyes of humanity at large, humanity as a whole. Um, so that's a long winded way to say, I'm, we're in the thick of it. We're still, <laughs> we're mucking around in deconstruction always. Like if you're, if you're found, if your faith is so, I mean, built structurally that n- no air can get in, no air can get out, you're in trouble. Like something's going to crack. Yes. Um, and so to have that flowy foundation, but flow of, I could be wrong on this. I could be right on that, but I could be wrong on this. Oh my gosh. Life-changing, life-changing for a faith. Um, so that's where I, that's where I land right now is flowy, but firm. First of all, I think it's hilarious. That, so I grew up in an LA, uh, Donnie fight school district, Warren high school. So LA County and my high school was like 70% Hispanic and, not very many white people so it's so funny we had the opposite experience where i went to apu and i was like what the there's so many white people here i'm in la who are these people <laughs> or like our freshman year there was this like front page thing that said like oh, apu is officially 50 percent ethnic and i was like so half white excuse me <laughs> 
Like, like, you just sorry. lumped every single person of color into a 50% and celebrated it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but what the, the saddest part about that, though, is like, that was actually a huge accomplishment because <laughs> when you look at Christian schools, that just doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. And so for APU to be like, dude, this is a huge deal. Like, truthfully, it is a huge deal. It's just like, it's like a balance of like, yeah, we should celebrate that. But also, this is sad that we have to celebrate it. 100%. Yeah, it's uh, uh interesting. And so to backtrack a little bit, talking about uh, you know, you're like oh, growing up in like this sort of like conservative evangelical church. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in the Nazarene denomination. Is that true? That's correct. Okay, and so what's it's kind of funny because for me, um, coming like coming from, um this conservative church and then going to APU, like Nazarene is actually not that conservative when you get into like certain theologies of like letting women lead and preach. And so it's funny. Cause like, yeah, like for people like you, you're like, Oh yeah, like this is conservative. And then for people like me, I'd be like, Nazarenes are kind of moderate in my book. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and yeah. And just, you know, for, for the context of, I met Kaylee my freshman year. She was my RA's roommate. So she was my RAR and same thing of like her and, um, Hannah was her roommate and just both of them being like, well, yeah, like we grew up in the Nazarenes. And so women being pastors was never an issue. Like for me, that was just so mind blowing to be like, you're telling me your whole life. Like if you told somebody you wanted to be a pastor, their rebuttal couldn't be because you're a woman, they'd actually have to think of something good. Like, are you kidding me? Um, and so I think even that, like when we talk about deconstruction, like exactly what you said, there's so many layers and there's so many steps to this expanding because for me, like the first step was getting over the insecurity of like being a woman. And then, but like for you and like other people, like that was like, obviously there are still struggles with being a woman in ministry, but it wasn't as big of a a leap. And so there's like other places to take those steps. And so you're talking about like being at APU and starting to read the Bible from like different perspectives. Is there a certain like class or book or maybe even Bible verse that like when you examined it a certain way, it kind of just like kickstarted a whole new direction? Um, I, I'm sure. Yes. Give, I graduated what five years ago, almost six years ago. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> which you lose a lot of that. You, 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 you know, you take in this information. You're like, I learned it in college. I don't know when, I don't know where, and I don't know why yes. I, know I learned it in college and it's in a notebook somewhere. Um, but I'm also, so I'm also, uh, getting my master's degree right now through Fuller. And, um, one of the classes that I took was, I believe it was my, uh, my old Testament class that I took. No, it would have been new Testament. Anyways, there's this book, um, by, uh, last name is Gonzalez. Um, it's reading the Bible through Hispanic eyes and it's very short. It's like 90 pages, maybe. Um, I want to say it's Justo Gonzalez. Uh, I believe that's his name. Um, and anyways, it's this 90 page book ish and goes through the parables that Jesus shares um, and talks about how that parable would be read, um, by somebody who is an agricultural worker in Mexico with very limited legal rights or whatever, you know, whatever that that's, he does a couple of different lenses, but, um, that book and having to write a report on it was just like this, 
I'm I'm upset. I'm upset that not every human Christian is required to read something like that. Like it frustrates me when I have to then come to a church body where somebody their only experience with Christianity is what they've they've gotten comfortable with, right? Like what what the the white church has presented for them or even what the black church has presented for them, whatever that whatever system they've been in place with and getting comfortable there and never never needing really to look outside of those bounds. And so reading something like that was just I'm pretty sure I cried through it because I was just upset. I was upset that this was I was upset that I was what 22 and this was new to me. This was news. I was confused. I was frustrated. Um, but it was, I still have it. Like you never really keep books from classes, but I kept that one. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I, I would say there's plenty of other experiences from college where, um, I just had an encounter with somebody who believed something different or, um, reading a book. I think of, um, the evangelism and discipleship class we had to take, um, where you, I mean, evangelism is, is a, is a hotbed word. Like that's a, that is something like the, the word euangelion. And like, that's in scripture. Like we are called to share the word of Jesus with the nations, but the word evangelical then gets tossed in there. And I, it was a lot of grappling with that with the gray, like the, so much of faith has become black and white and it is not, not even in the slightest black and white. And if you're not comfortable living in the gray, you're going to be upset. You're going to be confused. Um, if you don't have any room for moving to the middle. Yeah. It's, so uh, how do you think? Oh, sorry. No, go for it. I was going to say, it's interesting because I grew up in in the middle. Uh, I am a first-generation Mexican-American. My parents are both, you know, border hoppers or whatever derogatory things people call them. I can't even think of anything. Um, and they grew up in a very different church in Mexico, and then they came here, and then they went to church, and I did not like that church. And so I went to a different one. They, they uh, are Pentecostal, and then I went to a Baptist church, of all things. I went could did a 180 completely so i've always lived in this gray area and maybe that's why i've been very comfortable questioning everything because i've had to question everything my whole life like oh josie you're an american but mm, not really because you're mexican or oh josie you're mexican but mm, not really because you're an american um and all these like weird things where you know i don't know what it is i actually posed this question on my facebook the other day I was like, why do you think that uh, education is seen as like being liberal or something like that? It was a much more eloquently posted thing. But people, (laughs) most people said, I didn't get a conservative answer, which is super annoying because I want conservative answers. But all these people said, because when you are educated, you're, you're like forced to think critically. You're forced to think outside of your perspective that's just the process of learning and knowledge and education. But so often in Christianity, that's not what you're taught. You're taught to listen to what the pastor says. And cause he's the, usually he, he's the guy that knows what's up, which is funny. Cause Luther revolted against priests being the ones telling people what to do. Right. And then Christians just went right back to it. Um, and I think that's just like the habit, right. Of people not wanting to deal with these big life questions, like, reading from the perspective of a 
a farm worker in Mexico, like that's uncomfortable. Cause then if you empathize, you put yourself in that position and you think, holy crapola, that's uh, not great. I don't want to be a farm worker in Mexico. And so people avoid it. People avoid thinking about a life that isn't their own because it's uncomfortable. Whereas education is all about being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think too, like, um, like, yeah, there's like, there's this perceived correlation between like education and all that, but I think life experience too, because I think when you talk to plenty, especially when you talk about like people of color or like black people, like, um, like, unfortunately they're in our country, like education is not as easily accessible for them, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make them less quote unquote liberal or quote unquote, like um, I don't know, like woke, like a cool term, you know, things like that. And so I think there also is this correlation between just like life experience and exactly what Kaylee had touched on in that book of like, when you see things through a different perspective. And so if from me in my white middle-class conservative Christian background, like if I don't see things from this point of view, but somebody who looks completely different from me sees it a certain way and we're reading the same Bible and we're getting different things. Mm-hmm. I, and I think again, that, that was, that always had, that was a big problem for me of when I was becoming later in high school and looking at what kind of college to go to of exactly what Josie said, like pastors being like, okay, but you have to read it for the context. And I'm like, I understand that, but you're telling me that these people don't know the context then because they're getting totally different things out of this than we are. And I think they also understand the context. So why is that? Like, where, where are we going wrong or where are they going wrong? Like, cause that's what you're telling me. So like, how can we have this experience where we understand people? And so like tying into like what you do, Kaylee, like how does that impact like your students now, especially just in, the world we're living in of the past year, even longer, like, but specifically like the last year of so much has happened like politically and, um, like globally and spiritually and mentally, emotionally, like how does that all play in? Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, even just thinking about reading things through a different person's perspective and, um, reading things through, uh, everybody's reading the Bible through a lens or a context, regardless of whether or not you want to, um, you can't, and you can't get rid of that context. Like I can't get rid of the fact that I am a white middle, middle class, what, you know, 20 something female, like that perspective will never go away because it is my perspective. That's my experience and whatnot. Um, and I think that what, what I'm coming across with a lot of, and and most of what I, uh, most of who I hang out with really is high school, uh, high school students. And ultimately when they, when they read the Bible and, um, or if they read the Bible, I guess is a better way to phrase that. Um, when they read the Bible, uh, they are coming to it with their own context. And so what's been, what's been life-giving for me, honestly, is to read the Bible through their context. So when they, when we sit at a Bible study, whether it's on zoom or in a park or whatever this past year, um, and they open, we read, I read through uh, Genesis with some girls a couple months ago and 
we we were supposed to read like the first two chapters um, when we sat at this this first study, and I think we got through about three sentences because they just had question after question after question. I was like, I have never even considered that question, but it's so good. Like that is, please keep asking those questions. And so I think that like, and I would say from, from my experience and I, I don't, I'm grateful that I don't remember every moment of high school. Like what a blessing from the Lord that he created our brains to forget so much. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We forget so many things and I'm so grateful. Um, unfortunately you remember traumatic things and you remember, um, like how you felt, which it, those are not always great, but mm-hmm. I will say that I have this, this vague blob of high school where I don't think that I asked as many questions as I should have. Um, I don't think that I not necessarily, not even pushed back. I just think that I didn't, I was not, I remember sitting in a uh, good old professor Ellison's class, Mr. Matt, <laughs> and he, his favorite phrase is like critical thinking, you know, think critically about this, dig a little deeper. And I could not. What do you think about that? What do you think? Oh my gosh. Oh, I hated that. The worst. The worst. Ask, oh, ask this just for context, people. You ask this man a direct question to him and he he looks you dead in the eye and says, well, tell me what you think about that. And oh, we- uh, hated it. My favorite but question. <laughs> so grateful for it. Like, but my little, whatever, my 19 year old brain, I would read something. This is just, this is me speaking from my experience. I would read something and I could not disagree with it. Like I read it and was like, oh, that's interesting. Like I just read it as new information. And that's how I read the Bible was like, oh, that's interesting. And just took it and ran. Um, and so I think through my high school experience and uh, most of what, you know, when I meet with kids to do a Bible study, to to, when they have questions about scripture, I say, that's an amazing question. Like, please keep asking. I can't promise that we will find the answer. Some of these will find the answer. Like some of these, somebody's already done the research. Somebody has already figured that out, um, or come to a conclusion. I can't even say figured it out. Like if somebody comes to you and tells you that they have the Bible figured out, crucified not really don't crucify, <laughs> hey. but like that's wrong <laughs> so, don't do that don't do um that. yeah don't crucify people jesus that's just for you um <laughs> that, that felt weird that felt really backhanded <laughs> I take it. um i understand the joke but it was just aggressive <laughs> i only know christian jokes right now okay i need to <laughs> um yeah. So that's, that's my, my answer right now is kids are asking questions. And if we are shutting them down, we're doing them a disservice. Their, their faith will become so weak and ineffectual and, and kind of, I don't know, kind of like what all of our experiences are. Some, if you don't ask those questions and you don't live in that gray, you're going to end up leaving or following you're going, you, you, there's, there is a difference. I think there's, you know, if you, if you never ask any questions and they're good questions or, or you ask a question and nobody gives you a good answer or even an, I don't know, you're going to leave, you're going to leave the faith because you say, this is, this isn't helpful. No, nobody's helping me. Nobody's coming alongside me. I don't even know what to do here. Or if you never ask questions and you take this as fact and never dig any deeper, you become a sheep. You become somebody who just is, I'm going to cling to whoever's the strongest Christian in the room and follow that blindly. And so I think that there's this beautiful space that we can exist in and kids, kids are asking questions. Their whole life is thinking critically. Like 
with the information age, like every time they see something on the internet, kids are smarter than adults. They will look at it and go, that seems fake. That seems fake news. And then they say no cap. And then they move on. They're like, that's, that's fake or that's real. Um, so they, they're inquisitive. And I think that people don't really understand high school students right now, middle school students, teenagers, adolescents, they're, they're not heathens. They're not like, they're not, they're one, they're not any different than you were when you were in middle school or high school. Do you remember what it was like? It was a wild time. They're the same. They just have a phone in their pocket. They're the Mm. same. They're just louder. Like they're the same. They just have more passion than you did or a different passion. I won't even say more different passion than you did. Um, and so I think people often forget what it's like to be a high schooler and then brush them off. And I'm like, Oh man, no, these kids, these kids, the children are future. Well, that's the issue, right? Is like growing up, we were always shut down. Like our questions were never really respected, at least in my experience. No, people were just like, well, Josie, that's just not how it is. Or like, well, I was like, (laughs) I would ask questions like, well, why can't women preach that? Cause that's not what the Bible says. But then you grow up, you go, you get a phone, you Google shit, you read other people's perspectives and like, hey, this person says that this and this and this and Paul's full of shit. Okay. So, and like nowadays kids have their own information. They don't have to rely on adults because they have that phone in their pocket. Their questions aren't being shut down because they can answer it for themselves or somebody else can answer it for them. And I think that that's like one of the blessings of the information age is that the youths, they're passionate because they can be, they have the information and we don't have to keep shutting them down. Like we were, that cycle does not have to continue. I think another thing too, that like something that is different that I don't think like we were at the tail end because of social media, like MySpace, Facebook coming out at the tail end of us, like being in high school or whatever, but they have to deal with like, like we talk about like cancel culture. They have to deal with that so intensely because both for good and bad reasons, they're living in a reality where like what you say and the information you share really does have consequences forever now. Yeah. And so good. when you're talking about like, I know like some people are like, Oh, like teenagers just don't want to listen or they just don't like, it isn't like exactly what you said. It's not black and white anymore. Like when I, was 16 if somebody told me something like there was I could only go so far to find out more information there was a point where I had to just take it at face value when now like kids are like no you can't do that like you have to be able to like back it up you have to like show like really like show your sources show your work like you have to like have something to back it up because so many times like that they could say something or do something and not realize the implications of it. And it's going to come back for them. And I think that is something they have to stress about and worry about that. We just never did like, like kind of joking. Like you're like, I just remember my mom, like being like, Oh, like anything you write on Twitter, like people are going to like, look at that. What if you like, you don't want to like be embarrassed and not get a job because you have like pictures of you, like at a party on your Facebook. And I'm like, Dude, that's like the least of their worries now. Like, yeah. I feel like, are you like racist? people are hope like people, what? exactly. Like people are hoping that all they're seeing is you holding your solo cup in high yeah. school. Like if they're finding that they're like, good, they're a normal kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yep. funny. I uh, just posted. I talk about what I post on social media all the time because I'm very active, apparently. Um, but I posted like 
None of y'all actually do any fucking research, okay? You Google something really specific that you want to, like, a yes on, and then you call that research. It's like, no offense to anti-vaxxers except for full offense, um, when they're like, I've done my research. And I'm like, okay, so you have a degree in chemistry, ma'am? You know what these ingredients are and how they interact with each other, ma'am? No. And I, I have saw the- it talk about that oh man yeah. it I've, cracked me up somebody was like you did the research did you gather a group of control people and yes. then a group of people where you put placebo in it no you didn't do the research you mm-hmm. looked something up somebody else already did the research exactly but the, the answer is truly at your fingertips but mm-hmm. you can you can fudge the results by searching exactly like is this vaccine bad for me because of blah 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 and then uh, Google somebody's just written, says, somebody's yes. written, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like WebMD. Like you tell WebMD, mm, I kind I of had a headache and I stubbed my toe and they're like, you're dead tomorrow. I check yes, on WebMD what side your appendix is on about once a week. Oh, me too. <laughs> is it on again? You're like, there's something going on. Though. Is it today that my appendix is going to burst? Like, I just got to be prepared. And I live That's alone. True. So I'm like, if I die, Wait, that- who's going to know? I know. My appendix explodes. Exactly. So I was like, I want your peer-reviewed sources. I want the article link to the article link to the article link that links to the peer-reviewed sources. All right. Um, it's just funny because I, I uh, almost got my degree in journalism. I double majored in journalism and art. So uh, I was taught how to research. Also, in high school, I took AP classes. I I went. I did. I did a good job in college researching. Like I know what the fuck we're talking about, right? So it's just so funny to see people not know how to think critically they think that because they're going on oan news that's thinking critically because they're thinking outside the box with all these other people in this specific box (laughs) oh my gosh and kids are doing the opposite these days they are actually thinking critically yep do you think they're asking questions that are that are harder to answer than we did or are they just more like maybe they are the same questions but just because of the culture we live in they just feel more pressure and timely on them yeah i think that uh, and again all this is a very like a very specific sample size right like this is these are kids that i know that i've worked with and yeah um but even within that like we know a pretty diverse group of kids. And I would say that I think one, first of all, they are definitely asking the same questions we were asking when we were teenagers, especially those in the church, but we were asking them in our hearts or in our heads. We weren't asking leaders about it. We weren't asking pastors about it or even, even really friends. I mean, and again, that's just me putting my experience on kids, but I would say they're asking they are asking uh, questions, yeah, bi- and and big questions, and I think a lot of that is because of, I mean, if you were alive at all in the last twelve months, like you you if you hopped on social media for two seconds, there was something that you could be concerned about or confused about or rally behind or whatever. Like the amount of social causes that came out in the pandemic were innumerable, and so I had a lot of kids where. Um, that was, that was not at the forefront of their brain. So like, 
um, you know, they, they do believe that black lives matter, but they've never had to really, um, address it or reconcile it with scripture. They do believe that, um, we should look out for, you know, the least of these and, and, uh, you know, equity in the schools when everything shut down, they do believe that, but they've never had to reconcile that. And I say reconcile just meaning like compare and, and use scripture at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, to, they never had to use scripture or really had to ask the big questions of here's my life experience. Here's my church experience or my, you know, my Bible study experience, my small group experience, my going to church once a month experience and putting that together with what they were really experiencing. I think that's what these, that's what kids are really good at is they see their life and they see the Bible and they want to know, can they work together? And my, my short answer is yes, a hundred percent. I would say we're doing both wrong. We're doing life wrong and we're doing scripture wrong. Um, and, but they do, they do align. And, and I want to, it's like a mystery. Like I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to know how we fix life and how we fix, you know, how we interpret scripture so that they align. Like we need to change the way we look at both. Um, and so I would say the kids for sure are asking such, such amazing questions to the point where I'm we have Friday night Bible study. And afterwards I am researching, like (laughs) afterwards I've got all the questions they've asked. I'm like, I don't know what did Adam and Eve do this or was this before that? And did that happen here? And was, and some of it is not important, right? Some of it yeah. is, some of it is that's going to, you, you get to decide, like you get to read it, interpret it. And you get to decide, is that a cornerstone of your faith? I sure hope not. Like if your faith is going to crumble because the creation story didn't happen in seven days. Yeah. That's not a strong faith. You don't know God. You don't know mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and so th- that's, that's more so where I land and I, f- I feel more comfortable now when I talk to kids one, to leave things open and two, to say, that's a great question. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's, it's fun to do some research mm-hmm. and some digging up, but like, it doesn't really matter. You kind of get to land on your own conclusion as to whether or not, you know, it, that the guy, when he was healed, when he was blind, he really saw people walking around like trees. Like, did he really <laughs> see trees walking around? I don't know. He saw something. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Jesus healed him. That's all I need to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's I, so funny. Spencer. Sorry, Spencer. You go. Uh, I was going to say, I like that you, I like that you taught, like you clarified of they're asking the questions out loud while we were asking them like in our minds or like in our hearts, because I, I don't, I don't even like, gosh, I just hit it so hard on the head of the experience of having so many questions, but never like they would tell you, like, ask us anything, but never truly believing it, never truly believing that there was a safe space because God forbid I ask a question about something and they, especially cause I think teenagers, um, there, you know, there's that stage of the development where they think everybody's watching them. Like they truly think they're the main character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, I still think and that. so almost <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like, I can't ask a question about this because then they'll think I'm talking about myself when really it's just a passing thought, you know, or I can't, I can't ask about this because I don't want them to think I don't believe or that I'm having doubts and like never having the courage to ask certain questions until like 
I just, I found so much freedom in like going to college because I was an, I was an adult. My parents weren't here. My youth pastor wasn't going to call my mom and say, she's asking about this. That's really weird. Like I could ask my professor, whether it be in open forum in a classroom or like during an office hour or asking friends and just having these conversations that we were never having as teenagers. And I think that's just incredible that and I see it just so much, even in my sister, she's 17, senior in high school. And just, yeah, the conversations that her and her friends are having, like, God, like I love my high school friends. Some of them are still my true homies, but we would never have talked about that crap in a million years. Like never. Definitely yeah. not. I remember specifically being like the weird kid for having these questions. Like, Josie why are you asking this or even like in a normal high school context like yeah you didn't ask your friends these types of things because then you're weird like being introspective and you know whatever is weird and I recently reconnected with somebody and they said like yeah Josie I feel like people just really didn't understand you because you're not any different than you were in high school people just grew up (laughs) and realized oh yeah I should probably be asking these questions and yeah, like Spencer said, there was no safe spaces. You couldn't go up to, up to a youth leader and say, are gay people really going to hell? Because that makes me uncomfortable. Because they'd be like, mm, well, then you need to go read your Bible again. Because obviously it says that they do or whatever. Whatever the topic is, right? Which is my least favorite statement. Obviously, the Bible or the obviously. Bible clearly states. And I go, oh, my friend. No, it really doesn't clearly state. <laughs> anything especially if you're reading in english yes or even even just like certain things of like i mean talking about just like like literally it could be anything it could could have been about like like an example of being like you don't want to ask your youth leader about like sex or relationships because then again like there's that you think you're the main character and they're going to instantly be like why are you like having sex are you having these thoughts and it's like no i'm like single as a pringle but like people at school talk about this yeah i just want to know so i'm prepared or like or yeah, like it's something so crazy of like, okay, like, so Jesus talks about like healing people, like something that like I had to like struggle with so much of like the way the church talks about healing and like, does that healing mean in heaven? Because like, I know people that have a quote unquote disability and they don't think they need healing, whether it be like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so when you talk about like, oh, like everybody in heaven is going to be healed and have new bodies. And I'm like, but wait, that doesn't sit right with people or just so many questions like that of just never having the space to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you said. So then you have kids like us that when you, when you hear like, oh, you went to a private Christian university, like people who haven't had that experience would instantly think, oh, frick, like you just got even more ingrained, more indoctrinated. Like you followed this sort of like flow and you must be this kind of person. But so many of us are coming out on the other side, whether it be questioning our faith, which I think is so good. And a lot of us too, which it like, it, it makes me sad of like, so many of us like completely walked away because we spent our whole lives never being able to ask these questions. Then when we finally were able to, it was almost like, I know just from my own experience of like not fully walking away, but like really just being like, I'm done with the church. I'm done with this like organization of it all of being like overwhelmed of like, I went my, like not my whole life, but like a good chunk of it being like, 
this is what it was supposed to be. And then being overwhelmed because of how much I had to question, how much I had to like peel back the layers, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, you talked about right now, like being in the thick of it, like, what is that? Like, what does that feel like for you of you're ministering to these kids while being like in it? Like how yeah. are you balancing? <laughs> Yeah, that's a and that's another great question. And I would say it one, it depends on the day. It always depends on the day. Some days, and that goes back to my own personal theology: is you have to wake up every day and choose to follow Jesus. You don't just get to pray the sinner's prayer or whatever you whatever your theology is when you're five or when you're seventeen or when you're twenty-two. You have to wake up every day and choose to follow Jesus. And there are days where I wake up and I choose not to, and it's it, it shows. You know, like I, I'm mad. I'm angry. I am deceitful, like all those awful things. And that makes me realize when I go to bed that night, I'm like, "Mm, that was exhausting. I should probably choose Jesus tomorrow. Um, or right now, I guess. Um, (laughs) but I would say that one of the, one of the biggest pieces that's been helpful for me, um, to be one, to know that I do have a foundation, like my foundation, no matter what happens around me, my foundation. And I'd say quarantine really, really threw this into like, put this to the test, I guess, was everything can fade away. You, anything can be taken from you. Anything yeah. like your life, your life, your family, your friends, your house, your job, your, your teams, your sports, your anything, but Jesus can't like, you cannot lose you're, you cannot lose the love that Christ has for you. And if you're confused about that sentence, like if you're listening, you're confused about that sentence, that one is clearly in the Bible. Like you cannot, there's neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons, nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. And so that for me is like, you know what? I might be confused about this piece or this piece or this piece. I have to sit in that foundation. So sometimes it's like I'm sitting on a concrete floor and there's nothing over me. Sometimes I've got walls. Sometimes I've got furniture. Like sometimes I'm really comfortable with Jesus and sometimes it's really hard, but that foundation really has to stay there. Um, and I, I, the other, the other super helpful piece, um, that is very recent that, uh, I've been talking with some friends about is this idea of mourning the loss of a faith you once had. And in the context of like, if you lose a person, like I, I was very blessed. I didn't lose a grandparent until I was 25. Um, and so two years ago, my grandma passed away from Alzheimer's and which is a whole thing of it's on its own. Um, but that loss, I pushed off mourning for so long that hurt kept coming up later and I would drive by TJ Maxx and that's grandma's favorite store. And all of a sudden would just be weeping. And I was like, what in the world? Um, And it was because I never stopped to mourn what I had lost. Um, And now it's almost two years later and it's like, that's going to keep happening. And so that makes, it makes so much sense, right? When you, when you lose a person, when you move to a new city, when you take a new job, like you have to have closure of some sort, you have to kind of accept that you are moving from one thing to another. And I think that in faith, that is, that's not a concept that we're, we're talking about. It's not a concept that we're comfortable with. Um, and so I have to sit and mourn the faith that I once had the faith that was childlike. Like I don't have a childlike faith anymore because I'm not a child. Mm -hmm. I want it, but I don't. I don't have the faith of my high school where I was uh, pretty pompous about my faith, but I was strong in it. I knew what I, I knew what I believed. Um, 
even though some of it was wrong, uh, but I knew what I believed. And, you know, those, those pieces of your faith, we have to, we have to accept and mourn that those happened. Uh, like that, I, I mean that sentence, we have to mourn that that happened. Like that period of faith that I now disagree with, or I now see differently, I hurt people in those stages. And Spencer, I know you touched on that in a couple episodes ago. Like we've hurt people when our theology was hurtful. Yes. Um, when our the- theology was harmful and when our gospel was not good news for everyone, like yes. the gospel of Christ is good news for all people. So if it's not good news, look at it again, mm-hmm. um, read the Bible again. And so I think of those periods of my life and it's like, I really have to mourn and close that chapter so that I can fully move into a deconstruction phase and deconstruction. I don't even, I'm not even comfortable with that word really, because it's, it is, yes, tearing off of pieces, but it's more like a redecorating. It's like, ah, mm-hmm. Jesus a was remodel, still remodel. Yes, yes, same house, same yes. same body, different I, interior. I actually yeah. really, I like that visual visualization because exactly what you, you literally just said, like you were preaching to me right now of just like, what is the foundation? The foundation is Jesus and that nothing can separate from him from you. And so, yeah, like I, I'm building a new house and building, if we want to get all biblical, like we're a temple, I'm building this new temple that like I reside in with, and Jesus is still the foundation, but exactly what you said, like the foundation is the same. So I may have knocked down this wall of like purity culture that it trapped me for so long. And I have this bigger room of like, what does human sexuality mean? But that doesn't change like what the core is. It doesn't change what the foundation is at all. Mm -hmm. If anything, it makes the foundation make more sense you know yes. like you put yeah. this foundation but the layout had your kitchen over there why would you put yes. the kitchen there it's supposed to be over here where the where the smokestack is or you know We're the fire for an open layout <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know what that thing is called above the oven or whatever um the vent anyways, the hood the vent thank you yes anyways i like analogies they're helpful for me there's always a flaw in an analogy so anybody that's listening is gonna be like well there's something wrong with that but sometimes your foundation has a crack and you gotta (laughs) re-pour the concrete you know what but i'm not gonna pour the concrete my (laughs) contractor jesus is gonna pour the concrete back in what a person here (laughs) there's a you you were an alpha leader right Oh, yes. How'd you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, you listen. I think you said it in an episode. Yeah. But when I, when, when I had to apply to be an alpha, alpha leader, there was a piece of the, of the interview that was like, here are three random items. Oh, yes. You need to come up with a Bible lesson. And I loved that. <laughs> I could tell you what it was. I could tell you my exact sermon. Oh, yes. my God. It was just so fun. I had a paperclip, a box of tissues, and headphones. And I looked at them for about five seconds and was, and they were like, take all the time you need. And I looked at them and I went, okay, I got it. I'm ready. And they were like, yeah, are you sure? And I said, I got it. And I said some, I won't give you the whole thing, but some semblance of sometimes life is really hard and really sad. And that was the tissues and you're crying. Sometimes it's really sad and you just really need to tune out the world. And you just want to listen to, and I said like Jesus music or whatever, you need to listen to your Jesus music because ultimately God is the paperclip that's going to hold it all together when things feel like they're falling apart. And I said, amen. That was it. Cheese ball. I was 18. Like what? This is pre. This is, I, I have not even switched my major yet. I was like a music major 
shoved away in Munson Hall. Just you don't have any music, or you don't have any uh, ministry major tools yet. None of them. You were made to be a youther. (laughs) Honestly, though, like sometimes you really do. I don't know. I. And this is just one of those, it's how my brain works. It could be the Enneagram for me. Like I get all emotional and I'm attached to things, but I love a good visual aid. I love a good object lesson. Um, yeah, I, I preached when I was working at camp and I had to preach to high schoolers. I preached about how you're garbage, but Jesus makes art out of garbage. Like literally like had guys, I made, I made my team go like at lunch. We were having chips that day. And I had literally found this image of this artist that like made a mosaic out of chip bags. So I made them dig the chip bags out of the trash can and put it all over the stage. So like there's chip bags all over me while I was preaching about listen up high schoolers you're garbage but what an awful first thing to hear me. i totally understand it where you were coming from okay totally listen garbage. the verse but you are garbage good thing god loves garbage yes okay <laughs> but listen if in the con- in the context uh i was using the first part of, of ephesians 2 where he's literally talking about how humans are trash like your body is terrible and there's everything about you is bad but like God makes you, uh, like Ephesians 2, 10, you know, we are God's workmanship. That word workmanship is the Greek poema, which means a great masterpiece, like your life's work. And so, yeah, literally I was like, you're garbage. I'm garbage. We're all garbage, but you know what? That's okay. Oh <laughs> it was a scene from the movie Robots with Robin Williams and... Wait, really? Oh my gosh. That's... We're all garbage. We're all trash. Not me showing robots to a youth group for an object <laughs> lesson. Oh my gosh. When I was a youth group leader, I was not one of those. I was like, listen, right here it says to love God and love your neighbor. Go forth. There you go. Yeah. That was my lesson. The unfortunate part about working at a Bible camp is that that doesn't cut it because they're like, oh, yeah. they already know that you need, you need to give them more. If you listen to the episode with Becca, we talk about our youth group and we uh, did not know what we were doing apparently. And uh, granted, our <laughs> kids were a little different. You know, they weren't, they didn't grow up all churchy. So you had, they, you know, you had to tell them like, Hey dude, don't have sex because you know, you might get pregnant and like, it's just rough or whatever. Or, and you couldn't like say like, don't the Lord says not to have sex before marriage. It's like, don't do it because there's consequences. Like different kids have different visual needs. You basically had to pull a mean girls and say, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta, but also that, Exactly what you said. That's a good point because the camp I worked at was in, uh, as Kaylee says, it wasn't really in Seattle, but everybody says Seattle. And so, uh, yeah, though, very affluent community that we served and those kids had literally everything. So they kind of needed to be humbled. They almost like needed to realize they were garbage. Yeah. You garbage kids. You're trash. Don't forget it. <laughs> they just needed to be humble to be like, listen, um, I don't know if anybody's told you, but you're kind of trash. So <laughs> you are the same as the poor kids you make fun of, all right? <laughs> but okay, so I uh okay, so Kaylee, the kids you work with are a mix of churchy and non-churchy, am I correct? <laughs> Yes, I actually do mostly actually do work with kids at a Christian school. 
So okay. that's a fun little thing where that it doesn't really always mean anything. <laughs> just because they go there yeah. just because they have a Bible verse in their Instagram. If you're listening, yes, this is a call out to you. Are you living out that Bible verse that's in your Instagram bio? Damn. Um, but also I like, I coach, uh, I coach softball at a public school and just mm-hmm. and get to hang out with them. And, um, but yes, they are, we have a mix of kids that say yes to Jesus and kids that are like, no, thanks. And I say, that's cool. Let's play so softball. This now. is a good, <laughs> this is a good, like, take all the time you need, but like, this is a good, like almost like closing question of like, let's talk about this of what do teenagers, Christian, non-Christian or like whatever, non-churchy, you churchy. What is, what is the social context for a teenager to be a Christian? Like, how does that impact their lives in good ways, bad ways in the cheesy, like, Oh, you're a Christian because you have a Bible verse on your Instagram. But like, I just, cause it, I don't, it, we just grew up in such a different time. Like for us, like you knew you were a Christian because I was the president and editor of your book. And so they knew that if there was a, they knew if there was an event on a Wednesday night that they had to find somebody else to take photos because I couldn't be there because mm-hmm. it was just like my, it was my boundary that like the teacher was like, Spencer doesn't work on Wednesday nights. And so everybody was like, yeah, because Spencer's a church kid. So <laughs> what is that like now? Yeah. I would say first off that that is, that is the question that has come up the most, uh, this year. Uh, and I guess not question, but concern, um, that I have with a lot of students that they bring up, they say, I don't, they may, they may feel like I, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I do believe that God created me. Like I believe all these things theologically, but they say, I don't want to tell people that I'm a Christian, like because of what, what connotations exist. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that I, I'd be curious to see how that changes in the next four years. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to get any better or if that's going to get more amplified, Mm -hmm. um, to just say, to be an American and say that I am a Christian. Um, and I, I've had those conversations with them and for, for a couple of them, and it all depends on my relationship with them, but for a couple of them, I've just told them, I said, are you a follower of Jesus? Like, do you look at what Jesus does, says, believes, how he acts, how he treats people? Do you follow that? Like, do you want to be more like him? I said, then maybe change your vernacular for a while. I said, then tell, tell people that you are a follower of Jesus. And if that feels too cheesy for you, just say like, I, I do love Jesus. Like if you, and for those things, I'm like, you kind of, it is our calling to like be marked by our actions. So ideally like whatever you're doing, people would, people would be curious to know like, wait, why are you feeding those people on Tuesday mornings? Why are you giving up your lunch for this friend? Why all these different things? Yeah. Like, well, Jesus, Jesus, I just do what Jesus wants me to do. And I believe that Jesus wants a better world, you know, whatever. And this is a vernacular that they're not super comfortable with at 16, but they listen to me anyways. And, um, but I would say to be, yeah, to be a, to be somebody who labels themselves or calls themselves a Christian, um, in, in their teenage years right now, my experience on the whole has been fear. Like they've been, um, they do, they say yes to Jesus. They believe in Jesus, whatever phrasing you want to use. They, they are on all accounts. If they were in our youth group, we would call them Christians. Um, 
and even in their actions, like even when they're at school, it's not like they're like, Oh, well, I'm a Christian on Sundays, but not the rest of the week. It's like, no, they actually do. They do a pretty good job, like living out their faith. Um, but because of the way that conservative American Christianity, nationalism, Christian national, national Christian nationalism, that's the word. Yeah. Um, the way that that is one of the loudest voices of quote unquote Christianity, um, in the world today, they're fearful to be aligned with that when they don't. Um, and so it is, it takes a lot of guts. It's, it's a weird time for kids to claim Christ, um, because of, because if they don't, if they don't get the chance to explain themselves, they feel like they get lumped into something that they don't align with. Um, and that's just, those are the kids that I know that I, that I've, I've had those conversations with. It's a scary, it's scary time. I mean, scary in terms of vulnerable, it's a vulnerable time, um, to say that you're a Christian for sure. They have to like throw in a disclaimer of like, I'm a Christian, but not like, not that kind, you know, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yeah, it matter. Like, which is so dumb. Like what? Yes. I'm a Christian, but black lives matter. Like what? No, that it should be. I'm a Christian. So that should just automatically. <laughs> right. Yep. But I, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess some of that hasn't changed because there's definitely been points in my life. And when I was in high school of exactly what you touched on, like a few episodes ago talking about like, you know, there were times that I didn't represent the gospel well, and I hurt people because my theology was bad. And then coming to terms of like, no, like I do, I don't believe that I believe this instead. And so, yeah, like meeting new people and like when they would find out like, oh, you're a church kid, like having to be like, be like, yeah, but I'd like, it's okay. Like we can be friends. Like if you're not a Christian, we can be friends. If you go to parties, we can be friends. If you're gay, like having that to like get some sort of like street cred, because I was like, wait a minute, I don't want you to think I'm this certain kind of person. And so that was already hard enough when we were teenagers. Again, I can't imagine just the, the society we're living in the age of social media we're in like, gosh, that is mm-hmm. God, like, you know, my mom shared something cheesy where she was like, don't be afraid for your kids because God made them for like the time period they were born in. And it, it like is good, but also makes me sad because I'm like, I'm like, why did like my poor sister, why is she born now when I was born there? Like who knew that that eight years was going to be so crazy different. And like, gosh, like if I could trade spots with her, like it's like the balance of like, I wish I could trade spots with her because I want to protect her as the older sister. But then when I get down to the nitty gritty of like, God, I would never want to change trade spots with her because she is carrying burdens that I could have never handled at 17. I just couldn't have done it. Mm. But she's going to learn and she's going to grow as are all these kids. Yes, The Lord did not promise (laughs) that you would not suffer as they don't say, but you know, (laughs) yeah. Oh my gosh, this has been so fun. I love talking about the youths, the youths of the future. And eventually we might be parents and then, God, (laughs) I feel too young. That's right. It's my job to help you figure that out. So give me a call in 10 years, you're in middle school or in 20 years. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows? Well, Kaylee. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you on social media so you can uh, show off your table mate in your Instapot. We're going for the air <laughs> fryer next. <laughs> I could have just gotten the Instapot with the air fryer, but I didn't get enough. Wait, is that a thing? It is. 
Isn't that weird? You're telling me I have two for no reason. <laughs> well, maybe it might have been cheaper. I don't know. Technology evolves. Anyways, so my <laughs> it does. Uh, my socials are all pretty simple. I keep it keep it the same. I'm khag44 on all social media platforms except Venmo. Apparently, apparently my Venmo is just by my name, Kaylee Hagen. Uh, just in case you wanted that as well. Uh, but on Instagram and Instagram and Twitter and follow me on Venmo, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Well, uh, you can find us at speaking in church on Instagram, speaking church on Twitter, speaking in church at gmail.com. If you want to bitch at us, if you're a conservative that wants to come on, please, please. I'll be nice. I'll be extra nice. Now I really want somebody. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Our personal socials. You can find Josie at Josie takes the world on Instagram. You can find me at Spence Rose on Instagram, uh, like comment, subscribe, leave us some reviews. We've had some lovely comments on Apple podcasts. Leave us a review, a comment. We read them all. And sometimes we cry over them in a good way. Nobody's been mean. So, uh, I haven't read a single mean, one. Like so you're for Spencer. That's not right. true. I send them to you. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> Yeah. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. Well, yeah, this is the end of the podcast. So stay woke or get woke. Jesus loves you. <laughs> Clumsiest outro. So bye. <laughs> bye. It's like when the, the movie ends in like Toy Story 2 and they're like, it's over. Go yeah. home. Goodbye. I was yeah. like, Josie, say it. Line. Sorry, sorry. Bye. Okay. Bye, everybody. God. <laughs>